if leaders value their people, you can see that by how they act, how transparent they are, what they say, what they share, what they don't share. It becomes obvious what's important to them. That will translate and trickle down because if they do, the people that report to them will follow their lead. That's just human behavior. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science. You're in for a fast-paced, storytelling, action-item-rich leadership growth experience. I hope you make this podcast a habit. I consider it a leadership mentoring tool. Learning together makes us better together, and that is how we change the world around us. Let's get to it. Okay, well, I am so glad that I asked you to go a little deeper and bring to life what employee engagement and building a relationship with a direct report looks like because there's a lot of depth, meaning it is a relationship, really getting to know the person on the other side. So really building up this conversation because we want to learn how do you scale that? And I know for many people listening, Tarek, they're on a people-first leadership journey where they're like, I am going to put the work and the time and the energy into that. I know that you have a unique take to people-first leadership. Can you tell us about that? Personally or professionally, I think it starts with empathy. I think it's a very undervalued skill. So if you think about having that skill to really feel what someone else feels and understand them, that is the key to unlocking engagement. And again, it's one-to-one. We'll talk about scaling in a bit. But it starts with get out of your own way and can you understand what this person's feeling and going through? That is such a different context for which you speak to that person, how you talk to them, when you talk to them, what you talk about. And I think we talk about the role of AI, and I think this is where humans are so powerful, is to have the ability to feel what someone else is feeling, where computers will never have that. So it is a huge point of differentiation, and I think it will separate the great leaders from everyone else. Thank you for that. Okay, now break this down for us. Tell us what scaling engagement looks like done well. Maybe illustrate a scenario so that we know what we're going for here. Let me offer a simple example. If it was just you and I in a room, we're having coffee, I think we could engage each other pretty well because it's one other person. Assume we know each other's interests. We know what to talk about, what to avoid. Also, that's just as equally as important. That we can do. As soon as you introduce one more person into this equation, it becomes complicated because now you think in the world of Venn diagrams, what does Nikki care about and this other person care about? And that intersection of interests is where I need to focus. So it's infinitely more complicated just by adding one more person. Now imagine the company with a hundred people or a thousand people or a hundred thousand people. This is impossible. So the way we do things today, it is impossible to scale one-to-one engagement across an organization without technology. And so that's one of my big learnings and my big ahas and epiphanies through this journey is that the way to really scale engagement is to understand the likes and dislikes of each individual. And the only way we can do that is through AI, machine learning, technology, And I say these things and people maybe react as if I'm off my rocker (laughs) or I'm from the future or something crazy. But then I tell them, you know, that's what Netflix does to you. And Amazon and Hulu and Spotify, they're doing the exact same thing to you as a consumer. They will take Nikki 
and they will make her feel as though she's the only viewer, watcher, subscriber, reader that they have. And it makes you feel special. It's saving you time. They know you. It's intelligent recommendations. So why do these brands buck the trend of driving engagement with their audience? It's not even persona-based. So the worst case scenario is mass communication, right? If Netflix was sending the same thing to everybody, you quickly unsubscribe. I don't have time for this. I don't like horror movies. <laughs> Why are you sending me horror movies? That wouldn't work for you. The next thing that marketers do is they dump people into a persona. Well, Nikki lives in this part of the country. She's of a certain age, and we are going to make some assumptions about her. Okay, that's better than mass communication. Where we really want to get to is one-to-one engagement at scale. And how do you do that? You learn about their interests through their behavior. And that's what Netflix is doing. And it is possible. And that's exactly how really the modern workplace learns about each employee. The same fundamental principles that you love as a consumer, your employees will love too. So we can dive into kind of the hows and the what's of making that happen. Fundamentally, that is how you scale engagement is we are learning through communication what people like and what they don't like. I remember on our last call when we were getting to know each other and prep for this episode today, you had said something like, think about Netflix or Amazon and how well they know each individual person. We can't let those brands know our people better than we do. That was a takeaway. I was like, oh, that's good. That's a great challenge right there. And so walking into the work that you all do at Circle to be able to do this, what does that look like? Walk us through the how. People ask me, where did the name come from? Why Circle? And if you think about Communication 101, so we all took the class and you've got one-way communication. I send it, but I'm not listening to what people, how they respond to what I've just sent. That's very ineffective communication. That's what most people are doing today. It is mass communication. We send a message. The real value is how do people react to the message that you're sending them? And so the idea is a feedback loop, hence the name Circle. And that is machine learning. So as we send communication, great, all companies need to. There's required information that Nikki must know. Open enrollment starts November 1st, right? That's not optional. And then there's all these amazing things or organizations doing that you might want to know based on your interests as a human being. That's the power of learning about you and then tailoring that experience to you. And so Circle will personalize the experience for every employee based on what they need to know that they haven't seen somewhere else. This is a whole separate conversation around multiple channels of communication. So what do you need to know as an employee that works here, regardless of your interests that you haven't already seen? And then secondarily to that, what do you care about as a human? So there's two big buckets of content in my eyes. One is need to know information. The other is want to know information. So the need to know is really controlled by the company. It's not optional. Nikki needs to know this. The second bucket of content is optional. We're doing all kinds of amazing things and maybe we're volunteering here or we're doing this drive or whatever. How do we sift through all of that to make sure that we're pulling out the things that are most valuable to Nikki? 
So when she goes to any channel within that organization, she's receiving a completely tailored experience built for her in real time. Just like Netflix, right? When you log into Netflix, they are building that experience for you in real time. Uh, go to the app, go to the website, whatever it is on your TV, and it's all built for you in real time. Amazon, Hulu, Spotify, they all are doing the same thing. We should be treating our employees the same way. And so the circle fundamentally is giving internal communicators the ability to do all of this amazing work. You don't have to spam your people. You create content, let them consume it in the channel of their choice in a personalized way. And we want to learn about them. And really the next question would be, why does that matter? So if you think about one of the big things I've always heard from communicators is I struggle to show my value within this organization. I've heard it because leadership was saying, help guide us through this really trying time. And so how do you maintain that strategic authoritative position? Well, that's showing your value. And the real value of doing all this work is people will be more productive and you're going to keep your top talent longer. That's the point of engagement. And so we can actually show the return on investment, show the value of internal communication in a way they've never been able to do before. And if you think about the other aspects of a business, so sales, that's easy. They can show their value. Marketing, I can show the value of a campaign and how we drove sales because of it. Operations, they show their value. So how does HR and internal communication show their value? It is showing increases in productivity. It's showing we've got higher engagement with this open enrollment campaign and it led to these savings. We can show that we're retaining our talent for longer. And here is the cost to replace people when they leave and it's very high and we're reducing that. You're doing amazing work and you need to take the next step and take credit for it. So that's really how it all fits together. Yes, there's scaling engagement and it's with purpose. It is with purpose because it drives real value to the organization. Super long answer, I apologize. No, I love it. I love it. And I've got a number of things that I'm curious about now. Give us a, an example of typical feedback you hear from team members in your organization or you hear from clients that you work with, the voice of the employee sharing their experience from this employer. Like, gosh, I feel this or this is so unique. What is the voice of the employee saying because of this scalable initiative that truly reaches them to engage them? And this is going to be a sports analogy where if you're watching a game and you remember the officials, then they've done a bad job. That's really what it is. If you watch the game and you don't remember the officials really having an impact on the game, they've done a great job. And that's the same way we need to think about it with communication. What are they not complaining about anymore? So if you talk to most organizations, and I'm sure they're doing engagement surveys, one of the biggest areas of deficit is communication. We're receiving too much email. It's not tailored to me. It's not relevant to me. I'm missing things I'm supposed to know. All of that, right? Those are detractors from the experience within that organization. I spend eight hours, sometimes more, working every day with this company. I spend an hour, maybe, on Netflix. How does Netflix know me better than my company? Something is wrong in that equation. It is because we're very much focused on one-way communication. Did you send the email? Did you send the newsletter? And it's a checkbox. Yes, I did. 
they're leaving the most valuable part of that communication on the table, which is how are people responding? What can we learn from the reaction to this communication? So we're so close. And that's where I think Circle does a great job of bridging the gap between what is today and what could be. So good. And I love your answer on that. You think of most workplaces and the things that are being complained about top of the list is around communication. So flip this around. It's like, we're not hearing that anymore because it's serving the purpose it's here to. People are fired up. They know the mission of business. They're clear. I'm curious about specific things that you do or you recommend in the onboarding phase that gets each person both the need to know and the want to know two sides of the coin like you shared. Anything that might help people with, hey, this could really sharpen my ability to make people feel more connected in the onboarding that you all are doing. Yeah, I think there's no one size fits all. So really... The reason we are suboptimal when it comes to onboarding is because we put a process in place and we try to fit everyone through that. It's very difficult to customize that and to really make it personal for that individual. And if you think about what factors drive, I need personalized content for this individual, could be, did you just move? Were you already in the city? Like if I just moved to Indianapolis, you might want to give that person recommendations around restaurants and coffee shops and things around their office. That's very personal to them. If someone was already an indie, you wouldn't need to do that. You may be discounts and other things, and this is how we work. And here's a video that's created just for your specific role. Here are groups based on different criteria that we offer. All of that should be personalized to that individual to tailor how we get them up and running. And so if you're establishing that we want to know you and we want you to be successful here and we want you to stay for a long time, I agree. Start with onboarding. But I think if you talk to most people in internal communication and or HR, they would say, we don't have the resources to do this. And I agree with you. And that's where technology is your friend. Technology can scale all of this. So imagine creating one piece of content. One time, these are the resources around this office. Well, that should only be sent to people that are moving to that place. But that can all be automated. So once you've created the repository of content where AI comes into place, it puts it together for you. So I'll go back to Netflix one more time. Netflix has a repository, a library of movies and shows, and all of that they call through when you start with Netflix. So as soon as you join, if you remember, they'll ask you, hey, pick out some movies and shows that you like. What are categories that you're into? Documentaries, rom-coms, thrillers, whatever it is. So they are already calling through their repository to deliver you a personalized experience from day one. And then it just continues to get better as it learns about your actual interests as you engage with Netflix. The employer-employee experience should be no different at all. We have the technology to do it, and that's really what employees are clamoring for, and it's only getting louder. And I don't know how old you are, but I know my kids and I engage with content very differently. So my daughters are entering the workforce. 
and they will reach out to me and say, dad, what is going on with all this email? You know, they're not used to that. And they're used to everything being tailored for them, whether it's right or wrong, that's what they've grown up with. And so employers need to face the new reality as this type of worker enters the workforce. It's not going to be optional that we treat them individually. It is going to be required. Thank you so much for that. And I've got one more mention for Netflix. Nearly every suggested movie or series that I take from them, that's really the only way that I ever even watch something. I love it. I'm sitting here reflecting. I'm like, that's really true. I don't look any other way unless in a random scenario that somebody said, you've got to watch this. I don't watch that much. So when I do, it's like I'm looking at something that they're recommending and almost all the time they hit it on the head. So how do we be that as employers? Yes, this is great. Yes, that's the question. You're right. Yes. And so I want to come back really quick to the ROI because the things that you mentioned around driving engagement, less turnover, productivity, you probably come up against maybe now is not the right time or we're trying to weigh out if this is really going to be the right investment for us. Is there something that you share to help leaders understand lacking moving forward on this or not doing it is going to cost you way more than like what would happen on the other side? And so just curious, like that ROI statement that you help leaders come to when they're making the decision on investing in a two-way AI experience to scale employee engagement? Great question. I love that question so much. And the reason I love it is because that is the right frame of mind. Everything should be viewed through an ROI perspective. If this doesn't add value to your organization, why are we doing it? And so when we think about value creation within an organization, this normally really resonates with every company, but specifically with companies that are growing. Because if you don't have a solid foundation for your people strategy, growth makes it worse, right? That's amplifying where you're weak. And all that's doing is then you spend so much time and energy attracting people to your organization and they leave right away. The cost of turnover is so high. I always think about the analogy of, I say, Nikki, here's a bucket and it's got holes in it, but I want you to fill it up. Lots of people will take the approach of, we'll just turn up the volume. I want more throughput on the water coming out of the hose, but I don't agree with that approach. I think the approach is make sure there's no holes in the bucket first. And that's where people can really be thinking about laying a solid foundation for their people strategy, something that's scalable. So we talk about what does that foundation look like? We talk about fluid communication. Why do you need to wait for IT to build you a distribution list? We can't wait five days, three days, whatever it is. Or I don't want to go back and forth with HR around spreadsheets of people. Why is this not just automated? Why isn't this fluid? Because I need to send this today, not next week. So think about fluidity. Then we think about productivity. So why are we making people look at the same information they've already read on a different channel? That can go away. We talked about engaging at scale and the impact on retaining your top talent. And we talk about M&A. So for companies going through growth through acquisition, I'm sure you've seen the statistic that 90% of acquisitions fail. The single largest reason they fail is poor communication. So if you don't have a solid foundation to communicate with your people today, 
adding more people is going to make it worse, not better. So we think about all these things. We think about different classifications of workers. So if you have deskless workers versus desk, how does that make them feel? So talk about DE&I. All of these things go together. My biggest issue is normally when we talk to companies, there's not one person that's thinking holistically about all of these things. You've got leaders that are in charge of their silo. Someone's in charge of retention. Someone's responsible for productivity. You've got someone totally different responsible for M&A. A solid foundation helps all of us. And so that's the conversation that really needs to be had. It's an easy one to make. The problem is finding the right person to have the conversation with. Yeah. And I think bringing to the forefront the truth that the number one reason companies fail is communication. And going back to your example of like, what are the things people are saying? And you're like, well, it's really what they're not saying. They're not complaining anymore. Right. And so to be this unique experience that stands out from the rest that really allows people to truly understand why they're there, feel like they're making an impact. Man, it's just so important. And I want to go back to you had talked about empathy being a priority that you at your company prioritize and you really recommend in that shift of people first leadership, the core is empathy. How does an empathy first lens change the way that we communicate? Maybe illustrate that for us. Listen, I'm wrong way more than I'm right, but based on my experience, it starts with leadership. If leaders value their people, you can see that by how they act, how transparent they are, what they say, what they share, what they don't share. It becomes obvious what's important to them. And so it starts with leadership. Do you put your people first? And you're really weighing that against If you're not, are you putting your customers first? Are you putting your product or service first? I always feel it should be people. Great companies have great people and great leaders understand how they go together. And so we start with that. So if your leaders aren't demonstrating empathy and putting their people first, that will trickle down throughout the organization. So... That's where I think there's real opportunity. If there are people in your audience that are listening to this and maybe there's conflict within the organization around what really is our most important priority. I couldn't argue any more strongly about the importance of leaders demonstrating how much they value their people. That will translate and trickle down because if they do, the people that report to them will follow their lead. That's just human behavior. If they value EBITDA and profit, then the people below them will value the same things and the people below them will value the same things. I do believe it is a very trickle-down philosophy of whatever your leaders believe, that's what your people will believe. I think you just put a bow on all of this because think about two-way communication. If you're prioritizing people, you'd want that, right? Versus like, we're just throwing out mass communication because it's all about us getting to our end goal. That's just a really good example of why. Why would we do two-way? Because we value the people on the other end and they're our most valuable assets. So thank you so much. This has been really awesome. I'm sure that there's a number of listeners that have many more questions, things to learn about Circle and all of this goodness that you're using AI for to really help people figuring out what they need to know or to know what they need to know, but also 
what they want to know. And so I would encourage, hey, all of our leaders are really in this people first bucket. Get to know Tarek after the episode. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor message today, and then we'll come back to our lightning round where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about the personal side of Tarek. We'll be right back. Shout out to the Talent Talks podcast by Titus. Show host Jonathan Reynolds, CEO of Titus Talent, brings a unique blend of fun, humor, and passion. Jonathan's vibrant energy shines through the microphone as he engages with every guest live, creating a captivating synergy. Jonathan collaborates with each guest to delve into topics that empower leaders to make optimal hiring and engagement decisions from a people-first lens. You gotta give this podcast a try. Talent Talks. All right, Nikki, back on Gut Plus Science with Tarek Kemil. And we've had a great conversation today, just scratching the surface, I think, on how to scale employee engagement. But it has been a joy to learn from you, Tarek. And now we're going to transition into just learning a little bit more about the personal side of you. We always start with your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read that our leader listener audience might be interested in. Sure. It's hard to pick a favorite book of all time. It's like picking a favorite pizza. They're all good (laughs) for the most part. But one of my favorite books is A More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger. I read it years ago and I reference it all the time because I don't know if you have kids or not, but as kids age, they ask less and less questions. Society beats it out of them. And the problem with that is where does innovation come from? It can only come from two places. So one would be accidental innovation, which is... I dropped the chocolate and the peanut butter. On accident, boom, that's amazing. We've created a Reese cup. That's accidental and that's not a long-term strategy for innovation. Long-term strategy for innovation is fostering questioning. Why do we do it this way? What if we tried this? How about this path? And he's got all kinds of great statistics in the book. As people get older, questioning has become synonymous with stupidity which is so sad. And I don't know how we change that. Our culture at Circle is question everyone about everything. Me too. Of course, it isn't about ego. It's about how does the best idea win? And companies just evolve where we've done the same thing for so long. People come in, they might question it, but they won't say anything. Ah, This company's been around for 50 years. I'm sure they've thought of this and they won't say anything. And the reality is these processes get put in place five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and everything has changed and no one questions it. And so how do we foster a culture of questioning? It's such a great book to illuminate why questioning is so important. So love that book. Oh, I love it. That's a challenge to all of us. That's great. Question everyone about everything. Tarek, we'd love to hear an activity that you do that just makes you lose track of time. I can't help this, Nikki, but the way my brain works, I love solving problems. I get infatuated with a problem and it's in my head and I become a zombie. I don't know what's going on around me. I'm so deeply thinking about all the different permutations and all the different possibilities and scenarios of different ways to solve a problem. I get completely lost. And I think I probably come off as a bit of an idiot because people might be walking by trying to talk to me. I don't even know. I liken it to, have you ever been driving somewhere 
and you're either on a call or you're talking to someone and you don't remember the drive. That's me <laughs> when I'm thinking deeply about a problem. So problem solving would be my answer to that question. Okay. And there's a lot of people in your life that I bet highly value that. We got our go-to guy for the problem solving. So Tarek, how about a just a little Cliff Notes version of a life lesson that you learned the hard way, but you're sure glad you did? I'm Egyptian. Egyptian parents want doctors and dentists. That's all they care about. And from the earliest memories I've had, my parents have said, you're going to be a doctor. So I never thought or questioned this. I wish I would have read Warren Berger's book earlier, obviously, but I went to college for pre-med. And after three years of pre-med, I came to the realization that I don't want to do this. I don't like the sight of blood. It's not what I'm passionate about. So I'm really lucky that my life lesson was at the age of 20, I was able to push back and say, this is my life. And I'm not going to do things about safety and security or money. Those should not be primary drivers in my life. I'm going to do things that I find interesting, that really keep my attention, that I'm passionate about. And so at that point in my life, I totally changed directions and I'm so thankful I did. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And it goes to right in deeply to the work that you do and while you're there, finding meaning in your work and helping people find that. That's awesome. Tarek, before we sign off today, I'd love to make sure that our listeners know how the best way to reach you. How can they connect after the episode today? So email, of course, you can reach me at T-A-R-E-K at circle, C-E-R-K-L.com. LinkedIn, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. So those are probably the two best ways to get a hold of me. And I love having these conversations. I always extend the invitation to anyone that I'm talking to, when you get into something like showing your ROI or trying to make a business case for modernizing how you communicate and really fighting for the employee, I love that. I'm happy to help think through that with you, offer my time, assistance. I just am passionate about it. Tarek, it was such a great conversation today. And wow, what a challenge that we all get to embrace around how do we scale employee engagement uh, across our organization leads right into my first truth you can act on. Employee engagement is what does a person care about as a human, each and every individual. We have to know what is important to each person and then customize our communication and relationship building to match and reflect what we know about them. If Netflix can do it with billions, we can do it in our company. So this is the challenge. Love that. Number two, empathy is the core to people-first leadership. And when empathy is the why, meaning flows. And of course, people are first. So thinking about all that we do with empathy at the core allows us to really, the word would be connect with our people and truly make a bigger impact. Number three, the number one way that companies fail is communication. So Tarek shared those stats and I've heard them before, but I think it's a big reminder that the truth you can act on takeaway is to prioritize communication and how to get better. And then my last takeaway is to stop the mass communication and create a two-way communication or a circle. I love that. And it's a visual of like how we just keep that in flow, a circle of regular communication between 
the organization, its people, and all of us together. So good. Thank you so much, Tark, for all of your insights. And we'll see you next time, guys. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.